I believe that there's a high chance for an Arabic hit to uh, go global and that's probably one of the big bets even on the level of major music labels that they're looking for this new sound this new kind of you know genre that will break globally and there's a big bet on Arabic music Das ist der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast, der Podcast rund um Nachtleben und Clubkultur. Wir sprechen mit DJs, Türstehern, Tänzern, Clubbetreibern und anderen Nachtmenschen. Mein Name ist Gesine Kühne und ich bin Jakob Töne. Herzlich willkommen beim Electronic Beats Podcast. Welcome to the Telecom Electronic Beats Podcast. I am Gesine Kühne. In today's episode, we are taking a little trip to Riyadh. Yes, the Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. This trip will be via internet, of course, because I'm still here in Berlin. My guest, though, on the other hand, will be joining us from Riyadh. Today's guest is Eddie Maroon. You have no idea who that is? Well, don't worry, neither did I before I started my research. Eddie Maroon is the co-founder of the music platform Anjami. Founded about nine years ago, Anjami is the biggest music platform of North Africa and the Middle East. Anjami has about 70 million users and more than 57 million music titles in their catalog. Well, that's a lot. Eddie and his co-founder have a couple ideas to bring Arabic music into the West, something we did talk about. Also, he will share some nice info about his musical past. Enjoy. Welcome to the Telecom Electronic Beats podcast. It's Eddie Maroon. Is that uh, pronounced correctly? Yes, correct. Hi, how are you doing? Great, and you? I'm doing fine. Um, it's about five o'clock in the afternoon here in Berlin. What about your place setting? What time is it? Where are you at? Well, now I'm in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and it's 6, 7 p.m. 6 and mm -hmm. 7 minutes p.m. How's the weather? <laughs> well, the weather is good. It's starting to get better now, you know. It's not, not hot so hot anymore, anymore I yeah, guess. Yeah, hot. exactly. Actually, Riyadh is not humid, so you don't feel... That it's hot, so it's it's a good weather, especially in the in the night. It's it's uh, it's very good now. Yeah, I was just passing through Qatar a couple of weeks ago, and it was very very warm outside, of course, because it's in the desert. I find it very fascinating how hot it gets. Crazy. Yeah, the difference about Riyadh is that it's far from the beach, so it's not humid, so you don't feel mm -hmm. uh, that much the heat. It's colder somehow. Okay, but we're not here to chat about the weather, although it is a nice topic when we have such different climate uh, regions, I guess. We're here to chat about Anjami. This is a music platform. Please give us some more insight. What is it exactly? Anjami means my tunes in Arabic. And uh, uh, we started it, me and Eli Habib, in the year 2012 to provide a uh, proper music experience for our region. All what you had at the time was piracy. And, uh, you know, with the rise of streaming and technology developing and all of this, we thought that it's the right time for the region to have something first legit and develop a proper experience. And, of course, grow with the ecosystem because there was nothing in the region except piracy. Uh, even iTunes did not exist. So that was our vision. We wanted to provide a music experience that can be decent and somehow caters for the Arabs or people living 
in this particular part of the world for the Middle East and North African region, whereby we consume international music, but there's a specific way and there's focus on the local music and the Arabic music that we consume predominantly. And that's why you see the whole experience is about providing music that is global, but with a bigger focus on the local music, precisely the Arabic music. Since then, the, the platform grew. The, the, the uptake was phenomenal. And now we're developing more and more to become more of an entertainment or a media platform than just being a music streaming platform and always focused on the particular users, the Arabs living in this part of the world. You mentioned the local and Arabic music. Is that the main difference uh, from platforms like Spotify or Apple? Uh, Spotify and Apple are platforms that, you know, have the kind of service that caters for the whole world. In, in our case, we're more specialized for this particular audience. The way we curate music, the way we uh, offer music, the way even we produce music, the way we do everything, even from a business model point of view, the way we subscribe, uh, get users to subscribe, all of that is more localized, more, uh, as I mentioned, relevant to this particular audience, to this particular a region that in many cases never like paid for music. So I have always remember that all what we had is privacy. So there was a kind of education part whereby people started to consume music for the first time on a legit platform. So we needed a little bit of patience to get them to pay and how you want to get them to pay. Probably not everyone, not in every country, credit card penetration is high. So that's part of the localization with it. So the localization has been in uh, the music, of course, in the curation and the recommendation and the way and the content, a lot of content you don't find on, on other platforms. And uh, the, the model in terms of subscriptions, the way we get people to subscribe or you know remain on a free tier, which is ad supported. So all this is done in a way that takes into consideration the uh, characteristics of this region and the users and this part of the world. Mm. Uh, you mentioned piracy twice, and I also read in an article that you had ethic issues um, with piracy, like stealing music. That was like one major important part of, of starting something new. But was there also a like key moment you had where you, you said, I need to do this? Like we are missing something majorly. Yeah, we were honestly we were aware that our biggest competitor is gonna be and will always be and still is piracy. We can't really rely on uh, laws and governments and you know what have you to curb piracy. We thought that by providing a better experience than piracy, we can win over it. And this is something we always uh, somehow call we pirated the pirates. So by trying to provide something better to the users, way better, we believe and we were fully confident that users will, you know, leave piracy and come to a better experience. And the option of paying or not would remain option if you want more features. So you have a greater experience that is fully legit uh, and updated in a, a greater manner, a way than, than, than piracy. And if you want more features, you can become a paid subscribers. And we believe that this way we can provide something better than piracy. Therefore, users will uh, adopt a, a platform like Anrami rather than pirating music. And it worked. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, your personal initial moment, I read something about you were skiing and you couldn't listen to the music you wanted to listen to. And that was like where you thought, okay, I have to change uh, the music world here. Yeah, in the beginnings, actually, the way we started to come up with, I mean, the way the idea started to develop is we all wanted, and I personally, uh, and Eli as well, we wanted a way to consume music wherever we are and whatever we want, I mean, and in a, in a, in a proper way. And this was kind of, uh, maybe in the car you can just listen to the radio or whatever, but Uh, the moment was really uh, while skiing because you're in the middle of the mountains and you want some music, you know, to enjoy while enjoying this uh, this this hobby, this sport. And we said, let's you know uh, figure a way to have all our music uh, uh, and mostly in our mobile and you know play whatever we want, whenever we want, everywhere we are. And this started, you know, to develop from a an idea from a need for probably fixing a problem that we didn't have anything to uh, listen to music while uh, while while skiing to you know this becoming a, a platform and so on when you started um with your idea back in 2010 2011 what was the most difficult thing you know when we started first of all many didn't really understand it and i think that investing in music was something that is not really straightforward uh, a lot of music projects failed even you know telcos had a lot of attempts that all failed so the tough part was to really convince uh, especially investors to uh, really invest in such a platform not to mention that uh, the whole investment and vc kind of thing was very new in our region so uh, raising like one million dollars at the time talking the year 2011 for a project that was literally a couple of slides and maybe a piece of contract and a very idea around the product. The product wasn't even there yet. wasn't easy. It was very hard. But I guess that we were lucky with uh, the timing. And of course, when you're uh, passionate about a project and you build around you a team of passionate people that want to make it happen, Uh, this helped a lot. But the main challenge, the way I see it, is that you know funding was, was hard and getting uh, more and more investors to believe in something around music, given all the failures that happened and all the piracy and everything, uh, was, was a challenge itself. Then, you know, educating users that music is not a freebie, music is something that eventually you should be paying for. Uh, that was the next challenge and so on and so forth. It's something that really caught my attention because uh, especially in a big city like Berlin, I can't even imagine anymore. Um, you, you said once the internet speed in your region um, was very slow, like the data, you didn't have much data, so you had to convert um, a piece of music into a smaller version. Is that still the case? No, not at all, of course. I'm talking like around uh, 10 years back, right? So... 4G didn't exist. We had 3G and in many cases, 2G was available. And if you remember, we were still using very primitive devices. iPhone was still very new. Android was still uh, in its beginnings. And, uh, you know, we still had the Blackberries and even Nokia's at, the, at these times and developing a platform that works well, that streams and that functions probably gives you this proper experience wasn't 
that straightforward. Not to mention that even also uh, finding developers and the tech aspect of things was a challenge as well. Things that we take for granted now, we see very uh, that became now straightforward were not at the time. But again, this was part of the challenges we had. But of course, with the uh, development and advancement of the networks, the devices, all the infrastructure became way more developed for streaming in general, helped us, you know, uh, uh, get bigger adoption and, you know, uh, uh, somehow uh, contributed to bringing streaming to become more mainstream. Mm. Being a little startup in the beginning, when did you realize that your idea is actually working? When was like the first time where like, oh my God, people are subscribing, they're paying money, we're actually earning yeah. money. <laughs> um, when we started to have The first, you know, uh, downloads, like uh, uh, having the first 1,000 download of the app, then the first maybe 1 million users and so on. And honestly, the the uptake was way faster than what we uh, projected, which was really amazing and encouraging for us. There isn't a particular moment that, hey, yes, it's working, uh, that I remember, but I always remember when we started to promote the service uh, at some point we were part of a show on uh, a tv network mbc uh, that was the voice and the uh, infrastructure was designed in a way that it accepts a certain number of you know registrations per second right and uh, when we went out on on this show and the promo went out uh, on air we had a huge volume of subscribers, like maybe 4,000, 5,000 registering at the same time. And the product by design and the database was not really optimized to accept that many, you know, registrations the same minute. Uh, from, from one side, that was amazing, you know, have that much users coming in. But again, the, 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 the product was not ready and we had, you know, failures and we had some uh, issues at the thing. So, Uh, that was a uh, great moment that you have a lot of users, but in the meantime, uh, we needed to fix and somehow upscale uh, the infrastructure to be able to take that many registrations at the same second. So these are things that were uh, really uh, great, but got us to learn and somehow uh, develop further our platform because, as I mentioned, the uptake was bigger than what we had imagined. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about you a bit so our listeners um, get an idea who you are and then um, I would love to get into Arabic music and culture. So you grew up in Lebanon. Um, what kind of music did you listen to? I'm eclectic, you know, I listen to all kinds of music. I, of course, listen to local music, to Arabic music. I love pop music. I uh, used to listen to a lot of classical music in terms of Arabic, I mean, but I've always been into uh, uh, international music as well. And this is us, you know, in the Middle East, we uh, are influenced by the international music, but we also consume a lot and like our local music. And I'm uh, one of those people from the region. Uh, and this was somehow reflected in the experience we tried to provide with Anami, that a, a service that can give us whatever we want in terms of international music, but Arabic music should remain at the core, which somehow uh, represents our culture, uh, our background. 
Uh, I personally uh, used also to uh, enjoy a lot and listen to a lot of electronic music because I used to produce as well. So, uh, and I still, you know, like uh, uh, dance and electronic, even trance music, although probably it's no longer the trend, but I still like this kind of, you know, uh, electronic dance music because I used to do it. I used to play also uh, music and clubs and venues and, and events, etc. And we used always to do a lot of uh, fusion in the music we play. Also, again, given our uh, culture and background. So, and still you see in Al-Ghami now a bigger focus on this part, on creating more and more fusions and something we call mashups between uh, Arabic and international music. Something that probably we used to do and I personally used to play back then. We used to do a lot of these things. And from an education point of view, I'm, um, I have a low degree, uh, a master's in law, and, and I have a master's in business and international business, but I've always been focused on music and everything I did. And me and Ali used to be a part of a mobile service provider company. And this is how we started to link, you know, entertainment and, and mobile because we used to be in this field. I used to do a lot in the music side of things because music was part of the entertainment on mobile, you know, the ringtones and all of this. And Ali has been always into technology and how to build platforms to, to deliver such kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you're into dance music. That, of course, caught my attention because we're electronic beats. You did study in France, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I mean, my, my, my MBA was between France and Lebanon. It was a program with, uh, with a French school in Bordeaux. Did the time in France change your taste of music or was it just like because uh, the Middle East is influenced and has everything? We're, we're so much influenced by international music. It doesn't mm. have to be, you know, France. I'm not a big fan of French music personally, but uh, uh, I mean, in this part of the world, we heavily consume international music and we have a lot of influence of all genres of music. Uh, that's how we are. But again, I mean, we always uh, have the local music that is so dominant. Uh, that what makes it really special, this fusion between both cultures and both kinds of music, maybe somehow similar to uh, the Indian, you know, Bollywood music. You, you, you see that international music is popular, but there's always big influence for the local and, and, and local music and Indian music or Bollywood music. Here it's maybe similar. And I believe now there's a opportunity for the Arabic music really to uh, become more and more global and with the explosion and the uh, streaming world whereby we became like a one world now and songs can break be it from uh, you know Korea with K-pop or Latin or recently uh, we've seen CK for example coming from Nigeria so I believe that there's a high chance for an Arabic hit to uh, go global. And that's probably one of the big bets, even on at the level of major music labels, that they're looking for this new sound, this new kind of you know genre that will break globally. And there's a big bet on Arabic music. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite artist at the moment or someone you still like from your DJ past? I'm very eclectic. I'm very eclectic. Of course, of course, I, I have, I'm, I'm a fan of many artists, 
but I'm very eclectic with uh, with what I listen to, and I mostly I like the song. You know, uh, not a particular artist. I'm always for the good song, the good product, respective of whom is singing it, be it a big uh, star or an up-and-coming artist or someone who did the song in his bedroom. You know, it's it's no longer, you know, the age of the big artists only. It's the age of having a good idea and having something that really uh, catches the audiences and goes viral. And this is how music is now. You no longer need a big studio. You no longer be the big production, big label, be a big brand, you know. You just need to have a good idea that catches the ears of those listeners and you're there. You said that your music today, it's a lot about fusion, which I find super, super interesting because I think that's something we're missing here on our market because we're so straight into American and um, English, of course, and everything else that comes from India, Africa or the Middle East, we would call world music. So it's already labeled yeah. as something different. When did your music scene start to change, that you started to fuse those music styles to have this international influence and actually integrate it in, into your own heritage, I would say. I think with technology, this became, you know, and, and streaming in general, and of course, Anrami contributed to this, creation uh, became more uh, mainstream, right? So anyone can create something and put it out there. And uh, The fusion or, you know, as I mentioned, this is all, it's always been there. This has always been, you know, where you go to places where there's both styles of music are played. But when uh, these became part of the productions and the songs that were created are becoming available to, uh, you know, the masses through, you know, streaming platforms, this kind of uh, genre became more developed. And we played the role as a platform to make it bigger. And now we're focusing more and more on this because we believe that uh, we can play a role in that and uh, we know what can work, what what not. And uh, we're, we're trying to push more and more of this uh, kind of music that uh, users are loving. And we believe that uh, this is going to be a bigger trend moving forward. Mm. Do you think that the Arab Spring also opened up the music market for indie rock and hip hop? Uh, I don't think it's uh, about Arab Spring. I think that music, you know, is developing with with the younger generations coming out. And again, I mean, being inspired by the Western world and with the growth of hip hop and, and alternative music globally, uh, this has been reflected also in our markets. This is a normal evolution. Now, maybe the Arab Spring somehow help more, more and more in terms of getting everyone to speak whatever they want. But I believe that this is a natural progression that was fueled also by uh, the growth and the availability of you know, streaming services in the hands of everyone so that gave a chance for those artists to be heard more and to reach a bigger audience, therefore grow. Here we hear about electronic music from South Africa. There's like a huge trend, uh, South African Deep House, for example. But we don't really hear anything about North Africa or Middle East trends. Do you have something for us that we should listen to? I think I think there's, especially in Germany, Germany maybe, there's, there's a big trend around uh, Oriental Deep House that we're also 
giving a bigger focus now. Uh, by the way, there's an interesting group that's called Schoon in Germany uh, that are doing interesting deep house, very interesting oriental deep house. That's the deep house we know, but with an oriental flavor. And I think that this is really the kind of you know modern uh, music that we're trying to uh, bring out. And it has something really interesting. So I uh, recommend listening to this kind of music. If you search on Rami for Oriental Deep House, you'll find interesting stuff around this genre. Okay. What about newcomers? Do you have um, a certain heart at Anjami for newcomers? Do you support him? And if you do so, how? Uh, of course, uh, newcomers and up-and-coming artists have always been part of our focus. And, and that's our role. That's why we're local. That's why we have offices ev in every major city in this region. We're not just, you know, in one place. Like, you know, and, and we don't kind of treat the region as... Uh, one country. We uh, try to provide them with, first of all, reach, try marketing, try to understand what they want and sometimes try to provide uh, help in terms of production because we help them connecting with each other. And we have programs for this. And we try to sometimes bring them to a bigger audience that helps everyone. We believe that a bigger audience would help us and help the artists because this is, you know, a mutual benefit. Our incentives are aligned. That's why we work closely with these communities to grow because we believe that the whole ecosystem grows and we both grow uh, with each other. So uh, that's how we do it. You see a lot of Anrami uh, programs around these, like Anrami sessions. There's also program, we call it uh, Off uh, the Record, That started in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and now it's going to be scaled in many regions. And part of these programs, Anrami uh, Lab, which is a venue we're providing to producers to come together and co-create and bring in their creations offline in the venue and digitally on the platform on Anrami. Yes, that's on my list at well, the lab. Um, and you already described it a bit. There will be one in Dubai, Riyadh, Jeddah, Cairo, Beirut and other global cities. Why do you need the labs all over the world? Yeah, we believe because, first of all, every region, every city has its own music pulse, has its own music depth and, you know, a community or scene of, of producers. Uh, therefore, if you want to really give each a chance, you need to be present in each of these communities. That's the thing about Middle East. Middle East is not one country, right? So there's a lot of ethnicities, cultures, even languages. So so having an Rami Lab in those major cities would be the ideal way to translate the uh, the pulse of every city and music community to, you know, the bigger audience. Mm. That's why Uh, the music that's going to come out of Anrami Lab in Riyadh will be totally different than the music coming out of Anrami Lab in Dubai or in uh, Jeddah or in Cairo. And that brings more richness. And of course, this is uh, done in partnership with uh, our hospitality partners who will run those venues in a way that we can manage things from a, a hospitality point of view and from a music point of view. And we believe that this is going to be a chance for all those producers who have ideas to, you know, come together and get their works 
uh, heard offline and they'll see the interaction of the audiences with their works. And of course, digitally on Anrami because everything will be made available on Anrami. You, you said uh, connecting the online world with the offline world. Is that also a way to introduce like Arabic music to the West because we, we tend to be a bit narrow-minded? It's part of our mission to, you know, uh, grow the uh, kind of Arabic music globally. We believe that there's a huge potential for this music. It has a lot of charm. It has a lot of, you know, it's a beautiful music. And we believe that if it's done properly, if it's packaged properly, especially when it's baked with some international tunes in an international flavor as well, it has a bigger chance to travel more, to reach bigger audiences. And that's part of what we're trying to do. And I think it's starting to uh, be successful. As I mentioned, you know, a lot of bands that or artists that are coming with this uh, oriental flavor, but with international base of music are gaining very interesting traction. Mm -hmm. So let's say I want to be part of the Anjami Lab in London. What do I do? So this this going to be a venue that if you're a fan of uh, Arabic music, but you maybe also have Arab roots or not Arab at all, but you're a fan of this kind of music, you will uh, be, uh, first of all, listening to uh, uh, this kind of Arabic flavored music. And the whole experience is going to be around this fusion of both worlds. Even, you know, the food is going to be somehow a fusion between uh, both cuisines. Okay, well... Let's talk about something but that's in the future, right? Um, next year, you plan? Yeah, that's working progress. We're starting first in our region. The Al-Rami Lab uh, Riyadh is going to be the first edition and the rest is going to follow. Okay, because there's also something that already happened last year. You launched Live Radio. What is Live Radio? Um, Live Radio is an interesting kind of project or feature within Al-Rami. Uh, it allows any user to play music collectively with his friends and, and followers and interact, interact around the music he's playing and even be a radio host. So instead of you playing your music on your own, you can go live and your music will be heard by the followers and friends. And this is where you can also chat, interact, and even have a voice, can talk like with, with the voice features. So. It's literally like everyone can have its own radio, its own channel. Mm -hmm. And this allows more creativity and this will allow even, you know, creators, podcasters, anyone to have their, you know, shows as host without the need of being, you know, professional hosts or be part of a radio station or whatever. It's really uh, innovative. I don't think there's any uh, simulator that provides such feature and gives more and more freedom to uh, users to get, you know, their their voice out to express themselves and have, you know, more and more followers and fan base around what they play or what they have to say with their music. Mm -hmm. And how is it working so far? Uh, it's gaining very good uh, popularity. Uh, our most engaged users are on live radio. Uh, it's not a feature that every user is uh, would use. But the interesting bit is that more and more users are going live and uh, the audiences they're having are becoming somehow uh, more followers for those for those users because they each is kind of specializing in a certain 
type of of music they play so uh, it's becoming like radio stations each user has its kind of like a radio station that has a lot of followers and fans that follow him and this is a space where they can interact with each other they can chat with each other they can even meet musically like-minded people so it's interesting and this is part of the way we try to provide more to our users on the social front of things because music is social and this way you're allowing more people to interact around music and have a social kind of you know experience around music live radio, live radio is one of these features It sounds super interesting to me. I have to admit, being an old radio person, actually, I always love to share music with my friends and fans. Um, I do it through Instagram or playing as a DJ. But it also reminds me of the pandemic year or one and a half years we had because a lot of DJs went onto Twitch to either play or you know communicate with their audience. And also there was Clubhouse, uh, which was... Um, peaking popularity for maybe one second and then <laughs> I just went off again. Do you see influences from those platforms in your live radio or is it vice versa? <laughs> uh, you know, the, the we have influencers also, as, as you mentioned, using this. Uh, we're planning also to have more and more kind of popular or uh, hosts who are known to be part of live radio and having their shows on live radio. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, live radio was, has been accelerated from our side during the pandemic. We worked on releasing this kind of feature because of the need, because of the also the adoption of stuff that are virtual. And uh, one of the uh, incentives or one of the kind of uh, elements that pushed us to develop it was the pandemic. And we believe that these habits of doing things virtually and connect virtually are being sustained and people are getting more and more used to them, uh, even if we're going back to uh, normal life. But these habits have been proven and are sustained. How big do you think is the influence of Arab music in the Western world or Western music market? It's not that big today, but as I mentioned, it has all the potential to grow. And we, uh, we believe that it's going to grow. The same way that K-pop grew, Latin music grew. Now we see music, you know, breaking from everywhere in the world. So Arabic music has all the potential. And, you know, with technology and platforms like Anrami, this can contribute to this, you know, bringing this particular genre of music to a bigger audience. You already said the diaspora is actually quite big in some countries, even bigger than in their originated country. Can you track, is that possible to see if it's only the diaspora listening to Anjami or Arabic music, or is there hopefully a lot more people in the West? No, we know that there are, there are non-Arabs using already the platform. Those are, as I mentioned, the fans of Arabic music, but this is not, you know, the, the majority. The majority are... Uh, users from Arab origins and uh, this is all organic because we never until now invested in promoting or marketing you know in these territories so it's all organic but this tells you that there's potential I mean, if there's bigger investment from our side in growing this uh, audience but I cannot say that the international audience on Arabic music today or Rami is quite big we know there are few users 
but the vast majority now are from uh, Arab origins. When you expand to the West, so to say, aren't you afraid of the big players here like Spotify and Apple? We're not actually uh, coming to compete with the, with those, of course. They're way more developed and uh, in, in those territories. We're coming to provide the uh, Arab audience and users that enjoy or appreciate this particular kind of music with a uh, experience that is pretty much focused on this. So it's not that we're coming to compete. We're coming to provide a particular audience an experience that suits their uh, needs and has uh, more specialization around this particular genre of music. Mm, because you have all the expertise from all the years, like living. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, as I mentioned, there's a lot of content you only find on Rami. There's mm -hmm. a lot of content that is exclusive to Rami. There's a lot of uh, content that we produced ourselves uh, on Rami. Not to mention the curation, the way we recommend the uh, the playlisting. All of this, you know, uh, this is this is pretty much focused on this particular audience. That's why if you have this Arabic background and you start using, you feel that this, this platform is giving you much more than just music. It's really catering to what you want and has the Arabic aspect of things is pretty much developed in this, uh, in this experience. Mm, I find this approach actually really, really nice because you don't come to take over someone's spot. You actually come to be an extra, which is cool, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, everything should be in the world like this. You know, it's not about taking over. Maybe we should work together and just grow. Absolutely. There's room for everyone. Yeah. On this note, I think we can finish because I really like that approach. Makes me happy. And um, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And I hope that listeners will find something interesting in this podcast. Thank you. Thanks, bye. So this was Eddie Maroon, co-founder of the biggest music platform in North Africa and the Middle East called Anjami. And that is Arabic for my tunes. I hope you enjoyed our little trip. Please drop us a line via Instagram if you have any guest requests or feedback. And also, please follow our podcast on the known platforms. Even better, subscribe to it. My name is Gesine Kühne. Stay healthy and happy and dance. See you in the clubs. Das war der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast. Abonniert den Podcast bei Apple, Soundcloud, Spotify oder Deezer. Wir sehen uns im Club. Bis dann.